Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Gun Street Wiring Shop. They make wires. <laughs> they don't make wires, Steve. They make wiring harnesses. Do they make guns? They don't make guns. They do guitar stuff, Steve. Oh, that's right. That's why they sponsor this show. <laughs> this isn't a gun show. I mean, I mean. Why are you doing that? Because uh, we're doing video and everyone can get the oh joke. Oh my gosh. So anyway, Gun, <laughs> gun Street Wiring Shop is a... Small shop of guys that want to provide you with the highest quality custom guitar wiring solutions. I think that's a fair thing to say. That's a fair thing to say. They sent me a wiring harness for my SG at, I, uh, that I still need to swap out, but it looks beautiful. Just fantastic work on it. I can't wait to drop it in. I just need a free moment in my day to make it happen. <laughs> I can't wait to drop it in there. I'll do a video of the installation process. Uh, I hit them up for an SG harness because I'm not happy with the tone pots, the way they just drop off. And uh, I talked to them about it, and they steered me in a direction to fix that issue and get me some fun and other settings on there. I'm going to have a uh, out-of-phase switch for the bridge pickup. I've never had that on a guitar before, Ooh. not on purpose. I've done it on accident right? and then had to go in and fix it. But I've never had it as an intentional thing to mess around with, so I'm excited to try that out. All right, this episode is also brought to you by Walrus Audio. Uh, we just got the Luminary version 2. We sure did. Uh, I did a demo of it. I had a bunch of fun with it. I did the Luminary version 1 like two years ago. Yeah. That's when that came out. That's crazy. Time just flies. Uh, but they came out with a new version that uh, it has tremolo mm -hmm. on the modulation section instead of vibrato. Uh, it sounds like they you know, took a lot of feedback to heart from different people, different people using the Luminary, and made some tweaks. Uh, and that is one of the main ones, but there's a bunch of other little tweaks in the new Luminary. And you should go check out the demo and check out the specs online. Uh, last but not least, this episode is brought to you by Sinusoid. Yeah, boy. Their signature cable is called the Slate. It's a thick, slightly tacky cable that real professional musicians love. Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of sticks to the stage, I guess, is the way that they would describe it. It's got like a slight tacky feel. It just makes just everything feel really secure. It's going to stay where you put it. Right. Not like a real snake. Like if you encounter a real snake like my toddler son did just as Steve was arriving today, uh, snake, real snakes don't stay where you leave them. They move around. Yeah. But the signature slate, it stays where you leave it. So uh, head on over to sinusoid.com and check that out. Yep. Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Steve, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, modding, faxing, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. Did you say faxing? Fax? The, the, guitar, fa the guitar faxing? It was like faxing. The guitar faxing? It was like uh, <laughs> a little southern. There's a little twang on that. <laughs> what's new, Steve? Um, we didn't go over yeah, that we in actually the uh, pre-show. Um, what's new with me is I was going to... I realized I should have actually... Planned played something? the uh, Matthews Effects Cthremist, which I got in the mail. It looks really interesting because it's... And you haven't played it yet. It's a Matthews all-black finish. Dude, I... No I, time, huh? No time. It's, I I need to, like, figure it out because everything's black. Like, it's literally... It's black on black. Black on black, black It's huh? black print on, like, a black case. So you can't actually, like, read it on direct, like, direct viewing. So... 
Uh, but that's like a special finish that Matthews does on limited run stuff. It's really cool looking. Matthews been doing a lot of cool stuff lately. Coming out with um, all these like limited editions and funky little things yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So uh, I'm really excited about that. But what I actually wanted to talk about was I, I feel got like to we use... shouldn't be talking about this without a sponsorship. We're talking nah. so, so many nice things about Matthews. Uh, is the uh, Palmer <laughs> uh, Palmer Pocket Amp I got in? Oh yeah, I saw your pictures and, of that. Uh, I used that uh, live a couple times, once in rehearsal and once in actual live. And in rehearsal, I was kind of underwhelmed. Oh, I think it might have been because I wasn't getting. So the Palmer Pocket Amp is a all-in-one. It's like a bear or not Behringer. It's like a Sans Amp type thing, right? right? So it's got a it's got a or U.S. setting, which is basically like a high gain, like Mesa sort of a deal. Uh huh. It's got a British setting, which is kind of a. I think the British clean is kind of voxy. The British so it does sound like a Sansam thing. Yeah, and then and then I have actually used the vintage uh, the vintage crunch setting, which I felt was the closest to like where I ran my Wong's amp, uh-huh. which is like just a kind of kind of an edge of breakup, um, classic American tweed sounding yeah. thing. Right? So your your church has gone no amps, right? no amps. There is no sound on stage. Everything That's crazy. Everything is running direct on stage now. Wow. Um, except all the drums are in a cage in a in a full box. Right. So uh, I thought it sounded really good. Um, one of the things that took me by surprise with it is actually that one of the things that it, it kind of functions as is it you know, just compared to like your standard signal. So my normal signal running to the board without if I if I have that turned off is really hot and really bright. And the brightness I expected to to tame, I didn't realize that it was also going to make the signal like less hot, but that also makes it like more controllable. So I think that's sure. just part of like the EQing of everything. But uh, you know, like I said, I got it all hooked up. I got some compliments on my tone, so got that tone can never complain. That means people can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that yeah. means that you might get complaints at some point too. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about exploring direct solutions. Uh, I've been using the katana at church, but then we mic right. it, and then I wear in-ears. So it's not yeah. like I'm feeling an amp pushing behind me or something like that. Is it, like, it like in a separate room? No, but it's off stage, pointing at a wall. Right. Well, pointing at a bunch of curtains in front of a wall. Sure. Which is a pretty decent setup. Um, they get good sound off that speaker. Excuse me, I had a burp. I'm drinking this bubbly beer You here. said I needed to control my slurping and burping. I know, right? Um, but... Yeah, I've been thinking if I get some sort of direct system that I like the sound of, then instead of carrying an amp in one hand, a pedal board in one hand, and a guitar on my back to church, I can carry a guitar on my back, a pedal board in one hand, and another guitar in the other hand. Mm. And, you know, do a one-trip, you know, gig loadout that involves bringing two guitars which sounds kind of fun. Yeah, because then well, I can swap guitars. I even with uh, with that Wong's amp, even though it's really small, like you still got to carry it. Still got to carry it. You don't throw it in your case. It's got open tubes on it, right? right? I could like tuck it under my arm because I was keeping it in the box, so I tucked it under my arm, the same arm. That's that I, asking I was, for an accident. I was holding the the case in, so it, it, I never had any issues with it. But basically, I used I threw that music area case on like the back the, using the backpack straps, threw that on my back, mm. just had the pedal board in one hand, and I could do whatever I wanted with my other hand. It was great. 
<laughs> All the things that you can do with a hand, I was doing them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to hear about that, Steve. This sounds a little TMI. Uh, how do you like any of that music area case? You used it's it a great. couple weeks now? Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's... For something other than throwing it off a bridge and <laughs> right. throwing baseballs at? I actually think that some of the reinforcements are broken. Ooh, I wouldn't be terribly uh, but surprised. But I don't think it really matters like no. because it's the reinforcements on the very like on the very far headstock end. So it's not like on your broad surfaces, but it's yeah. on kind of your corner, your rounded edges. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a little heavier than I'm used to because I usually mm-hmm. carry like those ultralight fender gig bags and one that only have like maybe the ones that uh, basically aren't there. Yeah. Well, no, I've actually, I've got one. I had a case that was just canvas, right. no padding. Like the nylon. Yeah. Uh, so the fender ones that you get with like a squire or whatever, really, they're not horrible. Um, but this thing is definitely like, I can just throw it in the back of my car and I don't even really think about like how I'm seating it. I just yeah. kind of like toss it, it in, yeah, whatever. It's pretty dang firm. Uh, I was a little, I was a little jealous, but I've got the mono case. Yeah. I think it's the, the music area is a great case, but I, I seriously don't need a second, right. Like soft bag around cause I only take one at a time. So yeah. It's like it's obvious that you should have it if you want it, Steve. Well, I Obviously, have it. You have it. It's your case now. Hooray! <laughs> I don't know if I've got anything new. Really? Oh, I've got this. Uh, the the TC Electronic Eon. Uh, they sent this to me like two weeks before they announced it. Right. And we're just like, oh, here's some pedals, and we threw something extra in there. Check it out. And I was like, this is really freaking cool. I can't wait to do video on this. So uh-huh. I emailed them. Like, when are you going to announce it so I can film something and have it ready to go? They didn't answer me. I emailed again asking the same question. They didn't answer me. And it's like, okay, they're not checking their emails or they don't want to talk to me about it. (laughs) And so the other day, uh, I'm tapping in uh, keywords into a video that I'm working on. Oh, it was the the Shimmer Reverb from TC Electronic. And TC Electronic Eon pops up as a suggested keyword. I was like, no, <laughs> is it live now? And it had been published like nine hours earlier. And so did you already have a video made? No. And it was like four thirty-five in the afternoon. I was ready to pack up for the day. <laughs> I was like, shoot, now I gotta like go in there and rush something out. So I rushed out a demo. I did it in record time. I think I did the whole thing, editing and publishing the whole thing in like 45 minutes, wow. which is incredible for video. Anyone who does video will know that that's an incredible amount of time. That's like recording a song in right in like, like one take. In one take, in writing and recording, getting a song. it, getting it mixed and published in less than a day or something like that. You yeah, know? but uh, we messed around with it a little bit in the garage here. What What are your thoughts, Steve? I've never used one of these. Like, like an so, this is an Ebo type device. Um, I've seen places online where people like aren't big on the shape. I don't know. I, I don't have anything to compare the shape to. Is, I always thought the original Ebo shape was weird. Yeah. And yeah, like hard to deal with. Like this thing, because it's just like this little flat box, I'm kind of excited to just put a strip of Velcro on the back of it and just put it on my board. Yeah. Uh, an Ebo is a much weirder shape. I suppose you could still do that, but it's not going to be as, you know, utilitarian in its shape, I guess. Right. Um, I have never owned an Ebo, but I have messed around with them and used them. They have a second setting on them, which is like a harmonic, harmonic octave or something like that. This doesn't have that, but this mm. is also thirty bucks cheaper. And if you're looking to explore like an Evo type sort of thing, 
I think it's fine. I, I think, think it's a lot I of fun. It, I thought it was a lot of fun. I, like um, the fact that you're only supposed to play like one string at a time and it's not. Right. I don't know. Like maybe there's, there's probably techniques out there that are as you use it more, like you can switch from string to string a lot faster. Um, but obviously using this type of device for the very first time ever, uh, I could not do that. I but, think the idea is to do one string at a time. Um, it's not to swap strings unless you charge up one string and just let it ring out as a drone and then move to the next. Or right. Something like that. Right. Well, so I just played it too through your little, um, was it that the Roland micro Yeah, the micro cube. So I would also imagine like if I was running this through and I thought like, Oh, this is cool. But like, I, you know, whatever, like, I guess, but I also think that if I was running it through my actual board, so I'm running it through like drive, uh-huh. And you know, a couple delays or a delay and a couple reverbs or mm-hmm. what you know, whatever. Yeah. Maybe like run an octave on top of it, octave up, octave down, like whatever, you know. Then then I think it could make for some really interesting sounds. Yeah. I mean, it already made for some pretty interesting sus- sounds just as like this infinite sustain sort of a deal. Mm-hmm. I, um, in my mind, like the way I'll use it, I haven't gotten to use it live yet, but like you hold the string, you do whatever notes you want to do, and yeah, you're totally loading up delays and reverbs, time modulations, but then you're using your volume pedal to control kind mm. of like your note dynamics and swelling in and out. Right. Uh, you know, use different octave effects. Like maybe I'll hook up the pitchfork with the expression pedal and do whammy stuff with it. It's a lot of fun with like a tremolo pedal. Yeah. Tremolo? Tremolo. I said it right once, I think. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah, just all sorts of stuff that just allows you to play around with your effects and things that will alter your signal while you're messing with an infinitely sustained string where you can just hold one note forever and ever and ever. It's a fun thing to have around, you know? I think at 70 bucks, it's a it's a fun disposable income kind of toy. Right. Uh, I've never been able to convince myself to pull the trigger on a full Ebo because it's just like 100 bucks for something I might use sometimes. You know, $70 isn't like, it's not like it's $5. But it's more accessible. Yeah. And as far as I remember, like what using an Evo is like, it's got the same kind of, you know, like power and response. Yeah, I heard, uh, I read somewhere that basically this product only exists because the patent on the Evo just ran out like last year or something. Sure. So we'll probably uh, see a bunch of versions of this come out now. All right, uh, should we uh, get into the rest of the episode, do some normal stuff? That's a catchy song, Steve. It sounds like It's been really stuck in my head for a while. It sounds like you're really familiar with it and you know it well. Yeah, yeah. It's from like this really super popular Nickelodeon song that like anyone who watched Nickelodeon in the mid-early 90s like has this song forever burned into their head. Like they can't get it out of their head? Like can't get it out of their head. Sometimes in the middle of the day, I just start singing it. Yeah, it seems like the sort of thing that people who are our age would never forget. Yeah, it's and the kind of thing, well, you know, it's written by Mark Mothersbaugh, apparently. Of Devo. Yeah, and, you know, he really yeah. knows how to write some pretty stuff. It's so. funny, I didn't have cable when that show was a big deal. Yeah. My family didn't get cable till I was uh, later in age, like going to college. So I didn't grow up with, uh, with that particular theme song playing, uh-huh. but it's still familiar to me. Like, I still know that song, right. even though I didn't grow up with it. As soon it. as I mentioned it, actually, to your wife, she started singing. Like, before yeah, I yeah. even 
like had to, got to say anything about it. Why are we even talking singing. about this? I was just stuck in my this head. It just like, seems someone, like some sort of like inside joke. Someone sort of I was thing something I was maybe you're to using day, like maybe you're using memory. as a device to tease other podcast hosts that might be what, out there. Would I? But anyway, does that sound like a thing I would do? It sounds uh, nothing like a thing you do. All right, let's get into the first ad. This was sent to us by Christian Avia. Christian Avila. 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 That sounds about right. I think it's Avila. I actually played. Uh, I knew a guy named that with that name, um, but it was actually funny because uh, it made me think of. We always, would, me we always would call him Avila just to like annoy him. But so that's not his last name, Avila. No, it's Avila. Avila. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So this is an ad for two marauders. One is a Fenson. A Fenson, yes. And one is a Gibder. Yep. So basically what we're looking at here is a Fender Marauder. Which is the the reboot of a prototype guitar mm-hmm. that was never really released, and they uh, released it a couple of years ago with a uh, like a, a a triple rail humbucker in the bridge. It's got this funky offset shape to it, Strat uh, style tremolo on it, and a a uh, Jazzmaster pickup in the neck. Which I'm honestly like really excited about these days. It's the sound of a Jazzmaster pickup in a neck. So I'm kind of wishing I had one of these Fender Marauders now. But this is a Fenson Marauder, meaning that it has the neck of the guitar sitting next to it in the photo, a Gibson Marauder, mm-hmm. which happens to be hosting the neck of the Fender in it. So someone bought Marauders from both brands and did a swappy on the necks. Right. You know, I, I got to back up. Okay, back it up. I got to back up a little to the thing we were just talking about. I was lied to by the guitar nerds. Uh-oh. The Rugrats theme song is by Mark Mothersbaugh. Oh. The Doug theme song was by a guy named Fred Newman. Who's that? Exactly. Nobody knows. Uh, he, that was just like his thing. That's all I got. Never trusting you guys again. Don't trust the guitar nerds. Don't trust them. If you happen to see the guitar nerds somewhere in their country, in a different European country... Just look at them and shake your head silently back and forth. Not not a trustworthy source not trustworthy. for Nickelodeon no. trivia. Nope. Not a good source for trivia in general. All right. So Fenson and Giver, Gib, Gibder. <laughs> Fenson and Gibder. You had, did I say this was Christian Avila? Because I wrote it down as yes, being Adzan. Okay. You I don't did. know. Whatever. Well, it says it at the top of on, yeah, on our notes here. I trust that. I trust that note more than the note that I wrote down here. <laughs> so what are, what's your thoughts on this uh, Frankensteining of two guitars that are in the same room together and didn't need to have their necks swapped at all? I mean, I'm not going to put my feelings out there, but I just wonder what your feelings are, Steve, uh, on this abomination. Hold on, did you read the descripto? I'm not going to read a descripto. You read the right. descripto. Uh, basically, I described the photo to the people listening at home. Yeah, I'm not going to read the descripto. You know what it is. Look at the pictures. First of all, this guy wants two thousand dollars, which is I, seems really high to Probably me. Probably ridiculous. Like I don't know what the the Fender Marauders go for, but I don't think it's a grand, and I don't think the Gibson Marauders go for a grand. Yeah, uh, I think though I kind of like conceptually, at least really dig the Gibder. Yeah, I don't hate the like the Marauder with the Gibson with a, the Marauder with or the Gibson Marauder with the Fender neck. Yeah, I think you looks show, really cool. You show me one of these guitars alone in a room, and I'm for it. You put them both in the same room, and I can like 
see that the the original next could connect back to its home and it makes me a little angry you're just like why yeah why i mean this did isn't you do this thing yeah i mean it's totally a thing i would do but it's like if i was selling it i'd be like just put them back together come on right but i think that's the thing is like this guy wants to sell them separately because reasons i think he's selling them together i'm saying right yeah you know yeah he's selling them I'm saying he's selling them separately, like he's selling them in this condition because he thinks they're cooler that way. I'm seeing Marauders on reverb uh, ranging between a grand and like 1700. Really? Yeah. Let's look up the Fender Marauder. The Fender Marauder can't be going for more than $500, I would guess. So either the the Gibson one is an exceptional example of one. Mm Mm-hmm. Or he's overpriced. Yeah, there's one right now for for five forty nine plus sixty five shipping for the Fender. So I'm gonna guess that this guy's at least like three hundred overpriced. Right. Well, especially wait, considering you gotta you gotta play swappy with the next if you. But get you these. just said that. So you said the Gibson the Gibson one's going between eleven and seventeen. It's going between like a grand and seventeen, but most of them look like they're riding around twelve hundred. Okay. So, but it. So twelve and say five fifty, so that's seventeen fifty. So yeah, two hundred bucks too much at least. Yeah, at least. Um, I mean, obviously this neither of these guitars is in perfect stock condition because they uh, have the necks of the guitars sitting right next to them. Right, right. <laughs> installed. Uh, the this guy would have to prove to me that this particular Gibson Marauder was worth a higher price than the standard. And then he would have to swap the next before shipping to me if I was interested in this ad. One of the issues I have just offhand, just from a visual, and maybe I'm super off on this, but like I feel like these scale lengths are visually not even anywhere close to being the same. What? I mean, it's maybe only at the most, it's like a half inch. It's tough to gauge but... because the bridges are not lined up with each other, right? And neither are the nuts. But it does look. Excuse me, this beer's just making me so burpy. Um, it does look like the Fender has a longer scale to me, with the the bridge farther back as it is. Are you looking up scale length for these? No, I'm looking at Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna look up Fender Marauder scale length. This is great po- podcasting, man. Super great. Uh, I'm betting it's a standard Fender scale. 25.5? Yeah. Or do you think the Fender Marauder is maybe short? It's standard, 25.5. So now let's try Gibson Marauder scale length. You got to admit this is a fun ad to have two Marauders. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to actually think of any other cases of guitar models where this has happened. Where it's like two guitars with the same name, basically, and I can't, I can't really think of anything offhand. I mean, I'm sure maybe that exists. But... Twenty-four and three-quarter scale on the Marauder. So they are, they're different. They're by, different. By half an inch. That's going to be tough to intonate. Yeah. Um. I mean, it might be doable. But it's going to be pretty extreme I'm sure it's, saddle settings. I'm sure it's doable. Well, it's probably doable at certain positions. It's probably a, right. at a certain position. You're just 
it's hard to tell but it looks like the the fender neck doesn't fit well in the neck oh, pocket of the Gibson Ew. body. So that scale might even be more screwed up and that it's set out a little bit longer yeah. than it should be. I hope this guy didn't drill new holes. Oh gosh. For the Marauder neck at least. I didn't look the I mean for the Gibson Marauder neck at least. Um, it'd be better to keep that higher value guitar in more pristine order. Um, but that's maybe a bargaining yep. angle there. If you are interested in, in this ad, which you shouldn't be, you should just buy one of these guitars. Yeah. <laughs> this is a really niche market. Like this guy has <laughs> yeah, put people, something very niche on a reverb. Like who even like, who's going on a reverb and be like, I want both Marauders. Like, are you, do you have to be in like a pirate themed band? <laughs> Just because they're called Marauders? Uh, yeah. They don't look like pirate guitars. I guess the Gibson Marauder kind of has a piratey look to it. Yeah. But the Fender Marauder has more of like an outer space look to it. Yeah. Space pirates. Space land. pirates. Space pirates versus sea Earth, pirates? Sea pirates. Earth pirates? I guess that if we're talking about space pirates, then the alternative is Earth pirates. Is there is there any kind of like... Planet pirates. I want to know if there's like a comic book universe... Where there are, where everything is airships and there's like airship pirates. I'm sure there is. I kind of some sort of steampunky sort of thing. Yeah, it'd be steampunk and I'm not, I don't really want to know about that. Yeah. All right. A bunch of Zeppelins flying around with the people in corsets. Who cares? Gears stuck to everything. Yeah, I want the Zeppelins, but I want them to be in like actual, like in 1700s pirate, like sea pirate gear. I want them to wear the same things. Right, right. But I want them to be in the air. I don't want... Well, that like, kind of happened in Peter Pan. The ship flew. Uh, but it only flew when the kids were sailing it. And that's right. not as much fun. What about... Uh, when you said Peter Pan, all I could think of was Hook, the greatest movie about, of the 1990s. What about the, the Terry Gilliam movie? Uh, what movie was oh, that? Oh, the... Time Bandits? Time Bandits. I haven't seen it. Yeah. There's a there's a whole scene where, where a ship comes into the city... And like raids an office building. Oh, but I didn't tell you that. Uh, bef- maybe I did. No, I think I don't think I told you that when I was went on vacation. Uh-huh. I watched the Lego Movie. Oh, did you? And I watched Step Brothers. So okay. I, I'm catching up on pop culture. Good. What did you think about about the Lego Movie? I really enjoyed it, and it was great because like after that, like a couple days later, we're at my my sister's house, and uh-huh. she, she has four kids, and the youngest is super into Legos, and so. Uh, you got all master builder and on so he and so they kept saying like oh he's yeah he's like oh, yeah. a master builder he's a master builder and they're like oh you're a master builder huh and he's like yeah and i was i was like you guys are so lucky <laughs> I, I saw that movie like three days ago <laughs> you have no, I idea. Have no idea what you're talking about yeah i'm a big fan of the, that movie i thought it was fantastic and i've been liking everything lego has been putting out as yeah. far i haven't as seen goes. any of the other ones but now i feel like i can watch the other ones the lego batman movie it's good, super solid, yeah, like nice. really good. <laughs> now, now I feel like now I feel like I can partake. It's probably the best Batman movie in a number I, of years. I have heard that. I yeah, have heard that. Yeah, it's pretty good and pretty self aware too. Right, it's great. Right. All right, uh, let's uh, let's talk about the next topic. Yeah, our next topic. I don't really know anything about. Except you didn't watch the video. I didn't have time. Oh, that's fine. That's fair. Uh, but we're going to talk about uh, GitCon, which apparently. Is no longer involving YouTuber uh, HP42. Henning Polly, uh, who I, I got to met, meet for a short time at uh, Winter Nam 
he was talking to Brian Wampler, and I walked up and interrupted him very rudely <laughs> and interjected myself into the conversation oh, like, yeah. like a real jerk, you know, like a jerk would do. Uh, so anyways, he came out with this video. Just jerking and burking over yeah, here. Yeah, burking and jerking, burk the jerk. Anyways, uh, he came out with this video basically saying that he had a falling out with Warwick slash Framus. Yep. Those are the two companies who hosted GitCon last year. Which was kind of like his mind baby. Yeah, like that's he, what I heard. He spent a lot of time posting last year about how, how, he, how he had been working on this and planning this for years. And it sounds like like uh, Warwick and Framus are kind of screwing him. Mm. Like, did you read about it all? Are you privy I, to what's I, going on? I, re- I have heard some things from you. And I read I did read the description, the ba- overall description on the YouTube. Yeah. I just didn't have time to watch it. And I've read some of people's comments on it. And it basically sounds like he wasn't happy with what they were doing or or wanted something else happening with it. And they were like, well, we don't need you to help us do this because we already did it last right. year. And now we see how to do it. But then like the impression I have and the impression most people have is that Henning is the one who put the whole damn thing together. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is it is... That um, from what I've heard, it's less about like, like, okay, so think about something. Think about Winter Nam or Summer Nam. Sure, right? sure. When you go to Summer Nam or Winter Nam, in the case, especially like I'm speaking even from personal experience, we went to the GitCon hangout. Yeah, we got to Winter Nam. We crashed that a little bit, like, like, so, you know, jerks. So, well, sh- well we, we were, didn't eat the food. We just hung out. And we were, like, kind of invited by someone who was there. But we were there, and, like, all of these different YouTubers were there. You yeah. Know? Um, actually, I don't think Henning was there. But, but he I know he was. He was around. If he was, I just maybe we ended I didn't up, see him. We but ended like, up talking to Philip McKnight yeah, but for, like, a super long Philip time. Philip McKnight was there. Uh, Gearman Dude's there. Pete Thorne was there. Yeah, Music, Mar- Mary, music is Wind guy yeah, was music there. Music is Wind. Mary Spender. Uh, the Guitar Nerds were there. Like, just a bunch of different people. Uh, uh, what's his name from Spectre Sounds? Uh, uh, Glenn. Glenn. That's Glenn. What, Fricker? Uh, is that his name? I, I don't know. Fricker? I Fricker? Forget. Something like that. I forget. Um, Sean, Sean Pierce Johnson was the one who told us about it, but yeah. he actually wasn't. Wasn't there? We but we did. He showed up later. Show. He showed the, up later. The point being that all of these YouTubers are at Winter Nam, but they don't do an event like this at Winter Nam. And right. what, what that says to me is, it's not about like a company reaching out to different people and saying, "Hey, let's all do this thing." Like that, this event originally, like it was really about Henning reaching out to all of these people that he had interacted with and saying, "Hey, guys, I have this really crazy idea." And you guys know I'm crazy enough that right. I can help us all pull this off. It definitely was was marketed as his baby, yeah, and pushed as his baby last year. And it just it feels really weird to have him coming out to have the situation where he has to come out and say like, "Well, I'm not involved anymore. Like, whatever they do with this, it's not me." Right. And he made hints that like he's gonna do other stuff. And, uh, you know, it seems like he's the hub yeah. of, like, all the social interaction between all these different YouTubers. And so it's, like, totally believable that he could just do whatever he wants. Steve's getting a beer out of a little fridge up there. What is he going to pick? Oh, he's putting it back. He's going for another one. This is exciting stuff, guys. Here it is. What I really want is uh, the Black House, but I know... Oh, wait, hold on. 
Uh-oh. Your wife's pregnant. Yeah, she's not going to drink anything. Here we go. Suck it, pregnant lady. I'm drinking your beer. So, uh, if if Henning does like another thing like this, like he tries again and does it without Warwick, I'm sure he could get other sponsors behind it. Yeah. He's a he's a crazy enough dude to organize this again and like completely start over with new sponsors and and you know new funding from whoever. Uh, wh- what would be your wish list for it to happen, and why should it happen in San Diego within ten miles of where we live? <laughs> uh, well, obviously the number one reason would right be now we're it. pitching to Henning. Henning, bring a bring your new version of GitCon to San Diego so we can come. Well, you got to invite us first so that we can come without having to go too far. <laughs> um, well, the last year was in like Germany, right? Yeah, that's where that's where Warwick Framus is. <sighs> that's also where Henning is. Yeah, but you know, hey, come to come to California. Germans love California. Come come on vacation. Lots of people want to come to California. I would say, and like, you know what? You've been to Anaheim. Don't judge California by Anaheim. Come to San Diego. It's a lot nicer. Where would you do it in San Diego? I think the biggest thing is like there. I can't think of true. A, I can't think of a Taylor, place. but Taylor's like acoustic. I don't feel like YouTube is a particularly like. I mean, I'm not saying they don't care, but yeah. But Warwick is bases. They brought other sponsors That's in. That's true. It's they about getting other... content and bringing sponsors in mm, to bring stuff. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, yeah, we could do it, Taylor. Yeah. Could do it at Kiesel. Could do it. At Kiesel actually would be a really Kiesel would be really good. good one because I know a like, lot of those dudes are like metal. Are dudes. metal guys? Yeah. yeah so yeah. Kiesel would be would be primo. Could do it uh, satellite. Ooh. It could be like a traveling show. Like every day, it's in a different location. Yeah. Come to San Diego, San Diego. guys. That's awesome. Also, then I could go like to this. <laughs> yeah, and me we, too. You and I could both do it, and we wouldn't have to like. Pay to fly freaking across the world. I mean, you still got to pay for gas, but man, oh. I mean, if all these people are coming out, we'll totally go hang out with them. You know? Oh man, oh the worst <laughs> gas. Actually, I don't. The worst gas, says Steve. <laughs> I'm hoping I can get home because I'm almost out of gas. Oh my gosh, Steve, do you need me to like put a hose in my tank and, <laughs> and get need, you some gas? I need you to push my car back to the Seven <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I don't know. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that, but like. Yeah, I think Kiesel could really could really work. If he doesn't do it, should we organize our own? No, no. It looks like a lot of freaking yeah. work. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can organize it with all that spare time you have. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah, good point. I've got a lot of spare time. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> should we jump into the next ad? Yes. Yes, says Steve. This next ad was sent to us by Kyle Smith. Mm, good old Kyle Smith. Um. This is called Parts Caster. That it is. I forget which one this was. It's the one called ah, there it Parts is. Caster. Yeah. Uh, this thing popped up on our group a week or so back. And I didn't look at it because my first thought was like, oh, that looks dumb. I don't even want to think about it. But then people started posting that it had sold already. I was like, no way. Yeah. And I looked at it. So it says, so, built, built this a while ago as a research guitar, Wilkinson wraparound bridge, replacement strat neck, tuners, cool fun shape. Cool fun shape? Fender Squire Mustang humbucker pickup. What? Oh, so it's probably off of like the bullet Mustang. Right, right. Uh, needs electronics and a slight setup. So this is a just bizarre body shape. Yeah. Someone took like 
I Ace. love that color though. I love the thing I love is the neck. Is that all black strat neck mm. with the, with the black headstock? I don't know if the wood is dark or if it's painted black. No, I think it's a and black. I do, I do I think love it's just a black headstock with a rose dark like a dark rosewood. Sure, I do love that color. You said that, and I agree. The body is bizarre. It's like some sort of like eighties geometric like abstract shape that you'd see dance around on the screen uh, in, in between look, clips on saved by the bell it you looks know? like the reverse of missouri <laughs> it's a reverse missouri it's sure reverse missouri sure it does look like one of those it's got a know, little bit of a minnesota going on yeah it looks like a flyover state is what you're saying <laughs> well i guess we just lost half of our listenership <laughs> do you think half of our listenership lives in flyover states well, I guess we just lost our sinusoid sponsorship. Guys, if you don't know this already, the 60 cycle hum is for coastal elites only. <laughs> Specifically liberal coastal elites. <laughs> I'm joking, guys. I'm joking. I want that's everyone. A gear, that's a gear slum joke. That's a gear slum joke for sure. Don't, don't listen to that show. It's awful. All it's they just, do is make fun of Ryan. Actually, we were. I was listening to it today and my wife was in the office and she's like, is this the, the 60 cycle slum guys? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And she's like, they sound way better than they used to. They've come a long way. <laughs> I agree. It's, it's a really good show. You guys should go listen to Gear Slum. They sound better because they're sponsored by Sinusoid. <laughs> Everyone sounds better when Sinusoid's involved. All right, anyway. <laughs> the sponsor uh, never spot. The sponsorship never stops. Uh, so anyways, the, the reason this caught my eye is because it was the fact, $70. 70 bucks in free shipping. Yeah. That's, a, that's a, a really cool looking neck for 70 bucks. I don't know who made the neck. I don't know if it's any good. For for seventy bucks and you get some other hardware, I totally would have pulled the trigger on this. Yeah, if this thing is even playable, it says, "Oh, it needs some electronics work." But if it's open back uh, routing, um, that yeah. shouldn't be too bad. Honestly, uh, I could see myself getting this and then cutting the top and bottom uh, wings. I guess you'd say sure off off of the uh, the guitar and making it like the the LeBay guitar that's just a plank. LeBay. You know, oh, LeBay. That, yeah. yeah, the the Devo thing. Yeah, I would totally do that to this guitar. The The thing that bothers me the most mm -hmm. is the knob placement. Right. Like, I think I could rock this bizarre guitar shape, but the knob placement drives me a little bananas. I just I don't would like go, that it doesn't look symmetrical. I would go no knobs on this. Oh, yeah, it's totally asymmetrical. Like, one knob is... They're, they're mounted directly behind the stop tail bridge. Yeah. And one is, like, an inch from the bridge and one is like an inch and three quarters from the bridge and one is is right by the the post for the bridge and the other is like by the g string right so, so what it, for what it's worth this is probably the one knob alignment i've seen on a guitar where i wouldn't be constantly hitting the knob <laughs> i don't know that 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 knob close to the knob closest to the bridge i feel like my hand would rest on that sometimes because I do a lot of like Maybe. just resting my hand on the bridge sort of stuff. Yeah, but I, you rest it on the bridge. Not, I don't. I mean, I don't know. When I rest my hand on the bridge, it's not that far back. Mine is pretty far back. I, right. I play from behind the bridge, Steve. Oh, weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this thing is a great bucket of parts for seventy freaking bucks. I feel bummed that I missed it because I, I say that, you know, like. Hypothetically, I would buy things on the show all the time. Yeah. I would literally sincerely buy this if it came up again for 70 bucks. All right. Uh, next topic. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. 
thing. Man, I feel nice. like we've spent more time on non sequiturs this episode than actual content, but that's okay. Housekeeping is the best. Housekeeping means people are pledging money to support our show. Yeah. And we want to thank them. So uh, thanks to Stephen Conradi, who's patron. Is it Conradi or Conrad? Conradi. All right. Uh, I just looked at the email. Like, All right. And he told you how to pronounce it? it? There's a Y at the end. Oh, okay. I was imagining an E. All right. Um, if there was an E at the end, it would be Conrad. Thank you. <laughs> uh, for pledging at the $1 level. Uh, Steven Tiarino and Rowan Hill for pledging at the $5 level. We met Steven at uh, at NAM. Yeah. At he's the one of those party. guys where you say that he's pledging to us now. And I think, hasn't this guy been pledging to us forever? Like, it seems like he's such a part of our community that he just already been Right, there. right. So I'm excited to have him pledging. Thank you. Um, Welcome. And, and Corey Childers is supporting us at the uh, inner circle level, the $10. You can do it, Steven. $10 level. <laughs> nice. Um, and uh, we, still have a, we still have a lot of spots open in our, uh, our highest level, the bragging rights level. Oh, my gosh. Uh, which is our $25 level where you get bragging rights. Don't do it, guys. Uh, and it. somebody made a great suggestion that the first person who contributes to the $25 level uh, can get have my gear supply mug. Oh, man. Um, oh, yeah. And the, the second person that does it can have my gear supply mug. There you go. I will say and this. And we'll throw in shirts. I will course. say this, though. Uh, my gear supply mug might be getting shipped out next week. So uh, I've got some. Are you going to send it to plans. JHS for a mod? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Who are you going to send it to? No, I'm, we'll just keep that on the DL. All right. Uh, but it might be getting shipped out. Um, we'll see. Sounds unless like, Sounds like secret secrets to me, Unless Steve. before I get that shipped out, somebody joins at the $25 level. <laughs> then I will change my mind. All right. But anyway, uh, thanks to everyone who supports the show. Uh, these four people here, plus everyone else who has been giving for a month or months. Or years, or whatever. Thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, you you fund so much stuff that we do, and there's some exciting stuff coming up. Now, speaking of stuff that we do, uh, the next topic is, is the era of the big amp slash the 4x12 or the giant 2x12 combo or just heavy tube amps, is that just, is it over? Yes, next ad. All right. <laughs> um, so Bruce Bacon asked... Steve kind of mentioned this in reply to a post. Is the amp world headed to the pedal board, and are the days of 4x12 cabs and large combos over? So that's the official question. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always hard. I think this is always, like, tricky because it, it is very, like, scene-dependent. Um, that's true. Because at the end of the, But I say, you know, I say it's scene-dependent, but then there are, like, lots of, like, rock bands, and, like, I say rock, like like, alternative or punk bands or whatever where when you go to see them, like it's just Kempers. Yeah, Like totally. they're just all running Kempers. And those are the bands that you're like, wait, why are you using a Kemper? I always thought your backline was just JCM 800s anyway. Yeah, just stacks and stacks of Marshalls. Stacks stacks. Um, so there is there is kind of kind of that. But I, I think, think there will always be holdouts for like the old school stuff at certain levels. But sure. I, I do think like the idea of, of the fly rig or just um everything having everything even if it's a bigger pedal board having everything on a pedal board or just not even having a pedal board and just having like a helix or whatever 
I feel like we're getting closer. Well, I feel like the days of big amps were numbered before we even became guitarists. Because like the big big amps became necessary because concert houses didn't have PAs to keep up. Sure, with the uh, the uh, the the arms race, it was happening between bands to be louder and louder and louder, and yeah. to be louder than the drummer in general, because drums got just ridiculous. Drums. Um, so I feel like the moment your average venue became able to amplify everything with a PA, the days of the big amp started winding down. Right. But now like you combine that sort of thing with the fact that this modeling stuff can just sound so good and be so convenient. And for a touring band, like just be completely reliable. Like you have the same tone gig to gig to gig and you plug in and maybe you have some amps behind you to push some, push some air behind you or even, you know, bands that, travel with a bunch of real tube amps, but they're smaller tube amps and they use, you know, channel switchers to go from one to the other song to song. Right. Like they're not, you know, most bands aren't even going for a giant stack sound anymore. Mm -hmm. Like that's not the sound of most bands unless you're talking about metal bands. But then even a lot of metal bands metal bands are like they're digital stuff. They're not hiding their Kempers. They're like excited about the technology. They're excited about the sounds they get from it, which makes total sense. Because metal's all about like headroom and and just high gain and limiting the noise from the high gain and things like that. And it's just more practical. Right. I think there's always gonna be someone out there who just wants the big amp, like that big boy amp. But the times when you can use it are so impractical and hauling them around is impractical that it's they're really gonna become a niche thing. Yeah. I think it's it's really interesting how actually and it, I find this interesting and there's been a lot of like conversation back and forth that despite the fact that like so many of these uh, digital solutions are all about like, oh yeah, you just get it and you take it to wherever you're going and you just play it, plug into the PA and, and whatever right. that line six just put out the line six power amp. Yeah. Everyone's uh, power, talking sorry, about the, this. Pa- the power cab. Everyone's talking about we're, it. And we're the last we're, of the game. We're the last ones in. But, Even the slum talked about it already. Uh, we're the last ones there, but our opinion's the only one that matters. So <laughs> I don't think our opinion matters at all with this particular product because it's already out there. I'm never gonna buy it. So well, so I, I would say the It's one, like eight hundred, nine hundred dollars or something. I think the lower I think there's two models. One is six hundred and one seven hundred, something like that. Um, one of them only has speaker, I believe one of them. So they're both powered guitar cabinets, right? With full range, flat response speakers, which according to people that we know who know things and are smart about this stuff is total BS and just marketing. Right. It's basically it's just a PA speaker that's designed to go down to like 20 Hertz. Right. And I up, don't even know what that means. And probably, but I trust probably the- up to like. 17 or 18,000 Hertz. I trust the opinions of the people who are saying that it's BS. So, So, um, so, but it does look like a guitar speaker and you are paying for, and and that's a nice thing. Like it, it it pays for play has a good look. You're not some, I believe jerk like hauling out, uh, you know, a Mackie PA speaker. Right. And Even plugging in like a, a, a modeler into it. Well, that's the issue is that it looks like a guitar amp, but functionally like, I still haven't had, I mean, I guess nobody's used it. Sure. Uh, but I still haven't really 
heard anyone say like, oh yeah, this sounds way better than like a PA speaker and here's why. Um, one of the things that it does is I think the cheaper version um, has like six built-in speaker emulations mm-hmm. that are designed to be like replicas of specific speakers. And the um, the higher-end version, will, you can actually load your own impulse responses onto, which from what I be- think the way that works is you basically could like record your own amp and say this is what the speaker is supposed to Interesting. sound like or whatever. So it's got yeah. kind of like a bit of a Kemper thing going on. Yeah, or you could just download them. Sure. Like you download these impulse responses and you load them in. And and so that's kind of like a neat functionality, but um somebody and but but I haven't really been able to figure out how that's exactly different from the Helix. Because I know the Helix does have or cabinets. Any and, other like modeling floorboard or rack unit right, well, that has cab sims in it. Right. Well, so one of the things that some that I've heard is like, well, there's a difference between speaker simulation and cabinet simulation. But I was looking at the list of Helix cabinet simulations and some of them will say like uh one by twelve one by twelve Jade Envy or something is like the name of one of them. Right. So it's like, okay, obviously that's a greenback. Right. Like they will have names that are like similar to what they they're doing. They let you now, know what's going with on. With the power cab, they're just straight up saying, like, yeah, this is supposed to be a greenback. This is supposed to be a blue. Right. This is, they're like, it's very straightforward. So I'm like, okay, that that's again, maybe it's different. I'm willing to say that what the power cab is doing is different than what you can already do with the helix. The problem that I have isn't is that this is a six, seven, eight hundred dollar solution to a problem that's going to be solved when Helix 2.0 comes out? Because it's all just digital emulation. Yeah. All you're waiting for, like, and so now all you have is like you put all of what is a technological improvement into a speaker cabinet. But once that technological improvement just gets put into a floorboard. Then yeah. all you're looking, all you need is a powered speaker again, and now you can just go pick up a three hundred dollar powered PA speaker, and and you're good to go. Yeah, why not buy an empty guitar cab that doesn't say Line Six on the front, mm-hmm. and then load a a PA speaker that you could buy from a lot of different sources, and you'd be saving a lot of money. Well, you still need that. You still need that amp. You need the power section of it. You need a powered. You need a powered speaker. Okay. So yeah. You buy a powered speaker. You gut it and you put it into a guitar cab, so you have the look that you want. Sure. Yeah. You could functionally, I guess. Can you buy a powered speaker for much cheaper than this unit? Like, um, how much is a how much is a normal powered speaker? What that would sound good. That know? I don't know the answer to that offhand. I I feel like you could probably do it for okay price, but. But then you got to throw in a cab. Or are you just trying to buy like the speaker? So you're, you're I'm, basically I'm buying figure... a speaker and a flat and a flat like a PA amp. Right. I'm I'm trying to figure out if you could do this yourself for cheaper. Uh so here's a JBL 12 inch two way powered loudspeaker for 400 bucks on Reverb. Yeah. So you're already doing it for 400 dollars cheaper. But then you've got to get a guitar cab. You can easily spend two hundred bucks on a guitar cab. Okay, to have so the you're guitar at, cab look. So maybe this Line Six thing isn't priced that outrageously, and this you know this powered loudspeaker doesn't come with you know like speaker emulations that are uh, familiar to guitarists. 
like I, I you're, think, you're doing workarounds. But I think part this. of that is you're operating from the assumption that like there's a lot of different options there. Or one is that like you're you're saying like you're just paying a bunch of money for a look. But the reality is, is if you're paying like 200 bucks or an empty speaker just to get or an empty cabinet just to get a look, then I mean, I guess. But it looks has a lot to do with it. Steve. Sure. I mean, the, the, these these bands that travel with Marshall mega stacks that are empty as stage dressing are doing it for looks. Right. You know, well, if, that, you if know, that's one of the if you're making if you're making a product for guitarists, it's got to have a guitarist look. And it's like, yeah, you could drag. A JBL powered speaker out on a stage and be like, this is just what I use with my amp and it would be fine, but it's not going to have the, uh, the theatrical edge that I'd, I'd say most guitarists want to have. Right. But the flip side of that is a lot of bands have been moving toward towards, um, like even like professional rock bands have been moving towards like empty stages. Sure. So it's like, so then you're not showing any kind of. Well, there's also cabinet. always going to be exceptions. You're just putting on like whatever your theatrics are, like whatever else you can bring on. Yeah, even lasers like, and lights. I just listened to giant um, LCD panels and stuff. I just listened to the uh, the Tone Mob interview with uh, Mike Mike, uh, not Mike uh, Tom Wisniewski from MXPX, uh-huh. and he was talking about how like they keep all of their amps backstage so they don't break them. Yeah, sure. And because they're always like climbing on their cabs and jumping off and whatever, and they're like, "Yeah, the cabs can handle it," but like if you're climbing on top of a of a you know a Marshall head, like you're gonna damage the amp. Oh, totally. But the speaker cabs are fine. So you know, more and more bands are kind of doing like creative things on stage. I think like that, uh, where it just doesn't really matter. Like now, you know, yeah, that's different if you're if you're look, going for a specific aesthetic or you're like a smaller artist. But I, you know, I, I, I think there's, I get the wanting to have the look. I don't know. Maybe I'm just turning into a dad rocker. I'm just like, no, but like on the other side, like, I just want something so practical. I don't even care what it looks like. Right. Right. Just give me, um, just give me the flattest radius, uh, ultra lightweight guitar and, a class D everything with a neodymium speaker because my back is tired. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't know, man. For 600, 800 bucks, I'd just be buying a whole bunch of katanas. <laughs> Surround sound katanas. That's what, what I'd be doing. Talk about lightweight rigs. Uh, let's get into, I mean, I, I, you know, not to, not to be labor, but, but that I guess is the other part of it is like, yeah, you're spending. So say, say it's equal, say it's equal quality to like the JBL that you found that was like 400 bucks. Right? Sure, sure. So part for part, 400 bucks, 400 bucks, 400 bucks. You're paying like extra for the amp or whatever, or no, you're not. You're just paying extra for the cabinet. So you're saying like, you're going to pay it $200 extra for the cabinet and the technology but in two, three years, that technology, I'm saying two to three years at the longest. Who knows how sure like Helix 2 could come out in three months. Yeah. Helix 2 could come out before this episode drops. Oh, totally. I don't know. And the reality is that what's a Helix cost? Like $1,200, $1,300? So you're really talking about a $2,000 rig yeah. in order to make this work. Now you can use that Line 6 cabinet with like Pod X3, I guess. But it's really designed to be used like with the Helix. Totally. Like that's the market they're going for is there is uh 
line six is trying to sell you an all-in-one experience like get the best in floorboard emulation and the best in cab in speaker cabinets all from line six i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but you you know at the end of the day like they're trying not they're not trying to sell you a $600 thing they're trying to say you've been on the fence about the helix because you're not sure if you want to run it into your Fender Deluxe Reverb well we have a replacement for your Fender Deluxe Reverb now give us $2000 right right even though you already have a Fender Deluxe Reverb you can emulate that can you emulate that steve probably <laughs> all right uh you want to Recap the sponsors. And yeah, then we'll I want to thank our ad. sponsors. Uh, I want to thank Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. Mm-hmm. Uh, go check them out. Sinusoid.com. Buy a slate cable. They make cables and snakes and smiles. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank Walrus Audio. Uh, go check out our demo of the Luminary, so Ryan can make you know uh, you're one s- one thousandth of a cent uh, or one one thousandth of a cent for every view. Oh my gosh! No, it's one one thousandth of a dollar. I don't have. Paid demos monetized. Oh, that's right. Paid. That's right. You don't. Uh, so Ryan will make nothing. <laughs> but watch other videos and click the Amazon links, please. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, thanks to Gun Street uh, Wiring Shop, uh, www.gunstreetwiringshop.com. Yeah, and uh, keep an eye on our YouTube. I'm going to video myself dropping in a uh, wiring harness. Dropping. Dropping. It's the dropping. Uh, dropping in a wiring harness from them into my SG. It's got a lot of fun extra settings on it. It's is the like, dropping when your elect- your guitar electronics be- gain sentience and try to kill you? <laughs> it's the dropping. It's the next M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this last ad is called Band Breakup. <laughs> All right, this one's fun because it's it's really fast, uh, really sweet, and the, the the topic of the ad isn't important. Har- no, it is uh, Harbinger L two four zero four FX twenty four channel mixer, almost brand new. I bought it about two months ago or so, and it works great. Ten mic inputs, compression on mic, eight mic channels, aux inputs for monitor mixes, open to offers. Uh, three hundred forty dollars. I don't know if that price is fair. What I like is uh, the, the, the very the, first comment on this is a question mark. <laughs> the, the, the guy going like, huh? And then the next comment is a dude named Derek saying, read the band chat, chat dingus. So it's like Alan, the first commenter, is obviously in the band going like, why are we selling our mixer, guys? And Derek is like, dude, read the band chat. We're quitting. Like... The band is over. We're selling everything. Maybe they just got like a free super great upgrade. No, dude. This band's over. My favorite is uh, is our guy, Tim. His comment on it was, I'm guessing the band failed due to poor communication. <laughs> if you've ever been in a band, like so much of this resonates so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, you want to tell us about the song, Steve? I do. I thought you weren't going to let me do it. Uh, this week's song was sent to us by Ariel Levine. What I, I was doing I is I was, guy. I was starting to go into my YouTube outro is what oh, I was doing. Okay. <laughs> uh, he says, saw your post. Here's some songs that are more guitar-y. Uh, this song is called At the Bottom of the Sunset Strip. Ariel is in my surf rock band. He's, uh, You're in a surf rock band? Yeah, well, sometimes we play. It's been a long while, honestly. Uh, but yeah, when we play, he is uh, my rhythm and second lead guitarist, depending on what song we're playing. So yeah, check out the song. He's got a new album out 
go uh, follow links if we have them up or search for him or something. I was going to buy it on because it was on vinyl. I still don't have a record player, so I didn't buy it. <laughs> I should just give you the old part gallery record player. It just needs a new needle. Uh, I, didn't know sh- there, I didn't know there was an old part gallery. It's sitting on a shelf upstairs. I'll leave it up to you if you want it or not. All right. See you later, guys. <laughs> Bye. I put my hand up to the whiskey girls. I put my head into the whiskey. I'll meet you on the other side. Yes, I'll meet you on the other side. I put my hand up to the hills.